Binging on movies. Binging with Jason. You're binging on movies with Jason. Here, Here comes the binge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special Star Wars only episode of The Binge. My name is Jason Leroy. My name is Rebecca. And today uh, we are going to look at Star Wars The Force Awakens. And we're going to rate it on our normal three tiered scale, which is uh, binge it being the highest rating, consume in moderation being meh. And then send it back means. Life is too short for that mess. Is that an impression of something in particular? Or is that no? Are you going to say I'm being racist already? No, I no, just I'm just I... wondering if that's from something. No, no, uh, it's it's just it's from my soul. Okay, okay, just checking, just yeah, wondering, all. curiosity. Jeez. Thirty years after defeating the Galactic Empire, Han Solo and his allies face a new threat from the evil Kylo Ren and his army of stormtroopers. There are stories about what happened. this podcast you didn't see it in the first 24 hours probably um so you're not you know you're just kind of a fair weather fan i guess Mm. you didn't show up in costume the night before right but regardless we want to let you know are we going to give any spoilers no we're not and i kind of you know i wrestled with this um because i feel like there's a lot of people who are avoiding reviews anyway because they don't want any spoilers so it's like if they're listening they might want to have a more thorough you know discussion of what happens in this movie Mm -hmm. um but also if you're spoiler reverse and you're listening to a podcast that is a review of the movie then you're a fucking dumb shit (laughs) Uh, but with all that said, yeah, spoiler free. This so it's probably this audience for this podcast would be like, you might be interested, but you haven't like been waiting your whole life for this next movie, right? Or maybe you're just like, what are these two queerbos going to say about Star Wars? Oh, right. And you think people actually just care what we have to say? I, I, I think that I think our our our, our friends think that, <laughs> if nothing else. So thanks, friends. Thanks for being our core listeners. So Kylo Ren, I almost said Rilo Kylie. Is does, is Jenny Lewis in this? <laughs> I mean, there are so many, there are, there are lots of actors who are in this film whose faces you never see. So it's entirely possible that she's like one of the stormtroopers. <laughs> They're like a big reveal at the end where like the stormtroopers take off their helmet and it's like, yeah, exactly. And then like, they all sing with arms outstretched. <laughs> you know, they all do like the backing vocals. It's 16 miles in the promised land, you know. <laughs> That's the musical outro. That is the musical outro. It, it's what they play in like whatever that bar is. The Star Wars song. Which is a thing. I don't even actually think that was in the first Star Wars movie. Okay, so if it's not clear already, or if because you you know us, um, I'm certainly not uh, any kind of Star Wars fan. Everything I know about Star Wars, I learned from Family Guy. Yeah. And everything I know about George Lucas, I learned from a one-off episode of um, Quantum Leap. <laughs> they had a George Lucas episode of Quantum Leap? It's one of those, it was kind of like a like a Forrest Gump thing where he's like, there's this huh. character, and at the end you're like, oh, George is making that screenplay again. 
He's like in college. Hilarious. Yeah. I bet the nerds who watch Quantum Leap just ate that shit up. Yeah, the nerds that watch Quantum Leap. <laughs> those guys. Oi. Don't get me started on those guys. But no, I, I have never cared about Star Wars. Star Wars is kind of not to like mix mythology metaphors, but it's always been my kryptonite. Ooh. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't like make myself care about it. I can't like I've seen I think all six previous movies and I couldn't tell you a goddamn thing that happens in any of them like my brain just won't absorb it it's like math or science (laughs) my brain just rejects it categorically it's not a conscious decision I'm not like oh I would like to be uh, this freak outsider who can't enjoy Star Wars please. Um, I would never have chosen that, but, but here it is, and that's the reality of my life. This is like the, those initiatives to get like young girls into tech. Like, don't be scared of math and science, <laughs> young girls and Jason Leroy. Yes. I mean, there's like a STEM program with your name all over it. <laughs> it's nice to know that people are thinking about me and how to include me in this. <laughs> it's not just for boys. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So you, when you saw all of the other ones, yeah, um, did you see them like when like growing up when they came out-ish? I know you're probably too young for that exactly yeah. when they came out, but... Yeah. Did you grow up with them, or did you see them all, like... No, fortunately, um, fortunately, my family didn't give a fuck about Star Wars either. Yeah, same um, here. So it was never anything that we all, like, watched together. It was... It has n- no role in my childhood nostalgia whatsoever. Not even a bit. Um, I tried watching it, um, I want to say in college. I think I was in college before I watched the movies. Were, and... you, did, were you liking somebody who liked Star Wars, and you're like, no. oh, I'll watch it with you? No, it was just one of those things where I felt like, as a movie guy, that I should see these movies that mean so much to everyone, Mm-hmm. Maybe if I had seen them as a child, then I, you know, would have had that kind of like baby lizard brain connection to it. <laughs> um, but you know, like I, I think I maybe just came to it too late. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't dig it. And I definitely sort of like subscribed to the theory that Star Wars and Jaws are the biggest reasons that we have the blockbusters we know it today and because these were kind of that was like the beginning of the modern blockbuster era right yeah and that was the beginning of having like all studios trying to manufacture films that will sell to teenage boys yeah and true. That, that was kind of the beginning of the end in a lot of ways that was sort of the end of uh you know, film as being this entirely character-driven uh, uh, medium, that which it had been since its inception. Mm-hmm. You know, you go back and see all these sort of sophisticated comedies and dramas and action films all throughout, you know, the golden years of Hollywood. And uh, and then all the way right up until the mid-70s, because, you know, there was, like, the, the new Hollywood movement of Coppola and Scorsese and you know, Taxi right. Driver and Godfather. French and then connection. right as those things were happening, then these things also happened. And, uh, and, and they really had a huge, huge, huge impact. And uh, so I if anything, I'm resentful toward the legacy of Star Wars. Um, oh, now this is like a therapy session. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, I had one on stage the other night, and I'm having another <laughs> one, another one right now. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so I, I have always been like just completely indifferent to it. I like fought like hell to get out of a Star Wars related project at work recently. <laughs> I was like, don't make me write about it. I just can't. I can't make myself care about Star Wars at all. But with that said, what was crazy while watching The Force Awakens? was how much I was like, oh, yeah, I know all these people. Like, uh, okay. I like you know, like, you, you you can't be a person alive in the world and not, like, see a stormtrooper and be like, oh, that's a stormtrooper. Yeah, uh, I did just call one of them a Jedi yesterday, so <laughs> it can happen. 
I feel similarly in that my brain shuts down. Yeah, it just, yeah, I can't, I can't retain any of it. I grew up in a house with values like the Academy. There was like no room for genre films mm-hmm. at all. So we, there was no, no sci-fi allowed in the house. Yeah. But was, is Star Wars like the first sci-fi that sort of crossed over from like B-movie cult weirdness to like serious uh, adoption? You know, uh, in some ways, I mean, there had been like 2001 A Space Odyssey, you that know, like 10 years yeah. earlier. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, that wasn't a blockbuster. You right. know, like Star Wars and Jaws were sort of like the beginnings of, of, of a blockbuster. Like I was like I was saying, I think that, you know, Star Wars was the first, by far the biggest sci-fi movie that had been released in history. Yeah. You know, whenever it came out and had the impact that it had. Um, so, and, and I've honestly, to this day, have no idea what was so appealing about it. Um, you know, if it were to come out today, uh, I don't know if it would have had the same seismic impact. I don't know if it was just culturally, people really need to have like some just purely childlike escapist entertainment to, to, to go to mm-hmm. in the late seventies. Like a housewives. <laughs> like the real housewives yeah and you know i mean like i'm not you know i'm not someone who only engages with like dry cerebral content you know like i love my housewives <laughs> um so you know like i'm not knocking star wars stands i'm not like oh if you like star wars there's something broken about you um you know i would not go that far right uh you know we all have our things that we look to for escape and in star wars was just never one of those things for me i've just never been interested in it it's not a judgment call um i've just never been interested in it it's a judgment call <laughs> it's so a that's little bit said, of a judgment call We've made it very clear where we are on, on the fandom Right, and we've scale. now lost any casual listeners <laughs> who maybe were just searching for Star Wars and eagerly clicked our, our thing and was like, where are these two queerbos going to get to the movie? <laughs> we've maybe also lost some close friends. We may have. Say. We may have. Whoever's left, you are the people we care about now. Um, you probably, or you you can't access your phone to shut the podcast right. or off. Or you've had a stroke <laughs> and are playing. awaiting medical attention. <laughs> yes. Looking at we you. We hope it comes soon. Um, so since we are not diehard fans, um, right. will we, did you enjoy this movie? Will I enjoy this movie? I really enjoyed this movie. Wow. I had a ball. I was like literally smiling while really? I was watching it. Which doesn't happen often. No, I was I was literally just smiling. I I, I it's it's JJ Abrams, man. It's, it's what he does. Like I didn't give a shit about Star Trek either. Like not one shit. And then when I saw his first Star Trek movie, I was like, I love this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like he. I feel like he can make sci-fi for people who don't like sci-fi while also appeasing the fanboy contingent that has very specific things they want from it. That is a delicate and dangerous it and is. not cute dance. It's a minefield yeah it's it's an elaine of a dance but um <laughs> but he does it he does it gracefully and masterfully and and he does it again here no i i the fact that i have not been able to retain anything about the previous movies um did not impact me um i think there were things i definitely didn't get that i would only know about because all like the fucking nerds in the audience with me would be like no you know they just like turn to a bunch of like seals and they would just start like clapping in unison and I'm like, oh, I guess something's happening. I don't know. Oh, there must be some kind of Easter egg. All right, nerds, you know, put your dicks away. It's time to finish the movie. Um, so along with the new director, there seems like there's a lot of fresh talent in this movie. Yes. Um, and they're pretty diverse. So does it do enough? Yeah. So these new actors are fantastic. 
Um, so, and I, actually, I was reading an interview with um, with Oscar Isaac today, who is not like a new actor. He's new to the films, mm-hmm. um, but you know, he's a he's an established actor. He's pretty well known at this point. He's fantastic. He's one of our best. Um, and he was talking about what he likes about the vision that J.J. Abrams had for this movie is that it kind of makes main characters out of people who would just be on the periphery of the previous six films. Okay. Because John Boyega's character, John Boyega is an actor who was in Attack the Block, and much was made of the fact that he happens to be a black man. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and uh, you know, and that, you know, there is there is something that's so kind of iconic and powerful about the first scene where he just removes his helmet and you see this this beautiful black man sitting there. And just a sense of, like, yeah, like, th- like they're, they're fucking shit up. Yes. <laughs> like, this is this is not your, you know, your nerd grandpa's Star Wars. Like, this is, <laughs> like choices are being made to make this different. And, um, and so he is, uh, you know, he just plays a stormtrooper. And a just random stormtrooper who becomes a main character, and you know, like their whole defining trait is their anonymity. You know, they're all staying there in identical uniforms, and mm-hmm. then he breaks mm-hmm. that by removing his helmet, and that's when he begins to sort of break away from the stormtroopers and their way of doing things. Uh, Daisy Ridley is an amazing uh, British actress who has a very strong Keira Knightley vibe going on, okay. but with none of her kind of like pouty nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> And she plays just um, just a scavenger, like a space scavenger, which I know is like all the rage after Guardians of the Galaxy. It's now like a huge <laughs> thing. Just be a character roaming around space looking for shit. And um, so she's on some planet, and she's a scavenger of some sort, and she has mysterious lineage, which I imagine will come up later. Um, but she is so fucking good in this movie like she's a she's she's sort of like the discovery like she has done nothing except for like a few odd episodes of like British TV shows and she is a revelation in this movie she is so commanding so forceful um, she is really really excellent and they are the main people on screen for the entire movie like there's obviously other characters but like they are the main protagonists like they are in the movie more than Harrison Ford they're in the movie more than Oscar Isaac they, it's all about these two and they pull it off. Their casting is perfect. Their chemistry together is infectious. It's not romantic, thank Christ. Uh, <laughs> just because, like, we don't need... We're like, not I there yet. Romance is going to dumb it down. Yeah, man, it might happen eventually or later. As you might know by now from listening to the podcast, I am almost always against romance in all forms in film. <laughs> I think it, it can it can very rarely be done in a non-stupid fucking way. Um, and so it doesn't need to. Just because we have a woman and a man on screen does not mean they need to fall in love with each other. God damn it. Um, and fortunately, that does not uh, happen, at least in this first film. So um, we have two fresh actors taking taking the leads, and you have also the fresh talent of BB-8. BB-8. BB-8 is the adorable new robot that is already, I think, the you know I think they're going to go ahead and take Angela Merkel off the cover of Time Magazine and put oh, BB-8 no. on there for person of the year, because <laughs> poor Angela, she can never get a break. I feel um, like all you need to do is draw some circles on Angela's <laughs> existing mug. <laughs> She could pass for a BB-8. I think she could. I think she, she doesn't have the pointiest think... features. <laughs> uh, BB-8 is adorable. BB-8 is, um, on top of being adorable, BB-8 kind of comes off as a very Wally-ish. I was going to say, is it like Wally? Yeah. You're also talking about space scavengers. Yeah, BB-8 has a very Wally-ish kind of vibe, um, you know, because it's kind of like not the most threatening robot. It's just kind of cute and endearing. You just kind of want to hug it. Man, I w- if I was still single, I would use it as my new OkCupid okay tagline. <laughs> a Wally vibe. <laughs> right, hashtag Wally vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Parentheses, not the rapper. Yeah. <laughs> 
You guys remember Wally? Anyone? Anyone? No? Cool. Yeah, that's not what I meant anyway, so it's okay. Uh, yeah, that's BB-8. So when I was looking up information about this movie, um, I found out, did you know that there's something called Wikipedia? Wikipedia. Mm, no. But that makes sense. Um, so... Did you know that when Harrison Ford was in the original movie, he really hadn't... He was kind of like a fresh face. He was, absolutely. Yeah. He was brand new. Um, that was a movie that made him a star. So it's not. this think, isn't necessarily unique to this one. It's an interesting kind of small... Yeah, I mean, Carrie Fisher wasn't a star. Mark right. Hamill wasn't and still isn't a star. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, yeah, it's... You know, they, they don't want to necessarily bring in... And I think that's one of the many ways they fucked up the prequels was because mm. they... They cast it entirely mm. with huge stars in every single role. Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, right. Liam Neeson. Uh, nothing nothing but huge stars across the board in those prequels. Except for poor little little Hayden Christensen. Was it Hayden Christensen who was young? No. Yeah, he was, right? Yeah, Hayden I Christensen think so. was the guy in those movies. Yeah. Yeah, that poor guy. Whatever happened to him? <laughs> That that's be a, that's pouring like, a little out for Hayden a, Christensen's career. A new feature called What Ever Happened to Hayden, Christi- Hayden Christensen or Where Is He Now? Yeah. We'll yeah. look into that. Yeah. There was a feature the video can be stew called What's Happening with Tover Grace. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would be our version of that. So uh, speaking of Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, yeah. is it weird seeing them? I mean, the last time I saw Carrie Fisher was um, on 30 Rock. Oh, yeah. An amazing, hilarious oh, yeah. episode. She was, she was great on 30 Rock. In Little Armenia. Uh, yes, Little <laughs> Armenia. <laughs> um, so the amazing thing about Harrison Ford in this movie is I think that, you know, we have come to associate him with... Close to Flockhart. Yes. And also just off the charts cragginess. Mm. And like it was, you know, people were like, how is he even going to physically play this part? Like he's he seems so much older than he actually is. He's been on all those airplane accidents, too. I, I feel like he he's been banged st- up. He can't stop hurting himself. But he's still getting um, that that like, like youth serum through that earring he has, isn't he? <laughs> is that what does it? That's what, what keeps him I alive. Know. I feel like he's he's been turning more and more into just a huge slab of rock. <laughs> um, as we've been watching him over the last few years, and he's sort of just like he's just going to become part of Mount Rushmore in a couple more. <laughs> but in this movie, like amazingly, it it shaves decades off his crag level. He really, is, he is downright spry in this movie. He has the kind of twinkle in his eye that I didn't know he was possible summoning anymore. Um, <laughs> he definitely like taps into sort of like the youthful fun and energy of Han Solo. Uh, and uh, I, I, yeah, I didn't know he could do it. I didn't, I didn't think he could pull it off. But clearly, like he has like an affection for this character. Yeah, and, and it shows. Um, yeah, and it really shows. Carrie Fisher is is obviously our current reigning queen of the world. Um, after that <laughs> um, morning show interview she did, with oh, her, with the dog, with her dog, yeah. Gary. Um, and what I love about Carrie Fisher so much is I feel like she's kind of on her own as a a woman in entertainment who started off as sort of like a sex bomb. Mm -hmm. And then as she aged, had zero interest in maintaining that. Right. Yeah. That's so unusual. That's so unusual. And that she became, you know, that she became more and more of a writer and more and more of just this caustic wit. Mm -hmm. And that she comments quite freely on the sexism and the ageism of the industry. 
And so it's she's really one of a fucking kind. Yeah. She's such a treasure. Maybe it's because she grew up in the industry, so yeah. she wasn't like given that taste and then it went to her head. She like was sort of around it and exposed to it. So it yeah. wasn't like this yeah, she'd roller have any coaster illusions. that picked her up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no she, illusions. Yeah, she didn't have rose colored glasses about what being in the movie industry was about. Mm-hmm. She had seen her mother's many ups and downs and, right. and you know, she knew better. But um but e- even with all that said, she still kind of stands alone um on the landscape as as, um, you know, as with the arc that she's had in her life and her career mm-hmm. and what an amazing woman she is today as a result of it. It is a little disarming to see her in this movie because, A, you know, she just doesn't act very often in front of the camera. Right. Um, and it seems like she, of all the original cast, she would be, like, the least likely to return to the role just because, like, she has diverged so much from this kind of, like, nerd sex goddess. <laughs> um, but, you know, seeing her there, it really makes you very happy. And even though, you know, she looks her age, God love her, and she opens her mouth and that withered rasp crawls out. And- <laughs> And you're just like, yes, queen, you fucking get it. Uh, beyond Carrie Fisher, her daughter, Billy Lord, mm-hmm. um, who many of us have just recently fallen in love with as Chanel number three on Scream Queens, um, is in the film. Um, she is basically an extra in Leia's scenes. General Leia is her name in the movie. Okay. Oh, uh, nice. Yes. Um, she's a general now. And so Billy Lord, her daughter, is in the background of many of her scenes with little buns on her, <laughs> wearing the hair buns. She has like one line where she's like, General, are you seeing this? And that's and that's the extent of Billy Lord's involvement in the movie. Much to my chagrin, because as a Scream Queens aficionado, I love Billy Lord. Yeah. So you see her face, yes. but you don't see a lot of other faces. Correct. Yeah, well, the crazy thing was um, when I was watching the movie, um, a friend of mine turned to me during a scene uh, involving... Uh, oh, you brought somebody else to the movie. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't a plus one. It was a friend who was... <laughs> we did not get guests. We were told uh-huh. explicitly... We were told, like, in multiple emails, guests will be turned away at the door. I can imagine. Um, but... Um, but yeah, no. One of my colleagues I was sitting next to, um, there was a, a you know a CG creature on screen, and she turns to me and she's like, "Is that Lupita?" And I was like, oh, "You're so mean." Uh, and then I was like, "Oh wait." And then because I knew that Lupita Nyong'o had you know had been cast in the movie, right? But I was like, "Oh yeah, where is she?" And then I was like, "Wait, would they cast Lupita Nyong'o just to like voice a character, like for her follow up to her fucking Oscar win?" Right. But that's what they've done. Interesting. Um, Lupin I, I guess she, you know, she did like the whole Andy Circus, you know, like you know, wearing the crazy green suit. Mm, um, oh, you know, okay. I think she also like body acted it. Live or was it motion capture? Right. Yeah. Like body acting, you know. <laughs> um, I don't like that face acting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, she only body acted this one. And um, and yeah, so she is in, on screen in voice alone, and you have to just kind of picture her being this weird space creature. And uh, and then uh, um, Gwendolyn Christie, um, alias um, mm-hmm. Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones, also is in the film and is entirely in armor the entire time. Oh, interesting. She plays like a stormtrooper, um, like a supervisor, and <laughs> like a middle manager. <laughs> exactly. Like a yeah, she's just like pusher? she's working in everyone's like time cards. <laughs> and um, she's and an she, accounting. And she's like, I did not approve this overtime. We've talked about this. <laughs> um, and they're like bleep bloop bloop. Um, <laughs> 
that was actually brief sidebar. I always thought the stormtroopers were just supposed to be robots. I didn't realize they were supposed to be like actual people wearing in suits. Costumes? Yeah, suits. like I knew like obviously that they were they were actors wearing these suits, but I thought the stormtroopers themselves within the realm of the movies were just robot soldiers. I did not know they were actually oh. supposed to be like human beings, which it turns out is the case. Also, spoiler alert for yeah. anyone else who <laughs> couldn't have fucking picked that up the first time either. <laughs> Welcome to the finish line with me. Uh, but yeah, so Brandon Tarth also is in the movie in voice alone and uh, does never show her face, but at least not in this first one. Right. There's always room for more. Mm-hmm. Some of the early chatter has mentioned the word Oscar possibility. Oscar is that, possibility. Do you think that's uh, valid or do you think that's just another part of the buzz machine to get other fence sitters on the line i think i think it's entirely possible i think certainly in the technical categories it's very possible sure um and i think this could definitely be like the populist um pick for the best picture field like easily i mean it has it's had insane an insane outpouring of critical love i think the main thing that would work against it at this point is just that it's it's coming out so late in the game yeah you know it's it's the last movie to be screened you know, of the whole season. And so the voters are, you know, I don't know if, you know, they're going to be having, I'm guessing they're probably, you know, there obviously has to be some campaign for how to reach the voters and how to get them to see the movie without making them go and pay for it. But, you know, uh, it, it absolutely has potential. Not, I, don't, I don't think to win Best Picture, um, but I think that it could very easily be nominated. And, um, you know, maybe even J.J. Abrams for director. Uh, it, it has, I think the sky's the limit because this is the kind of movie that brings everyone together. Critics and audiences alike um, are loving this movie. Well, I guess, I mean, audiences are just now starting to see it, but like, I can't imagine that this will be like that Star Wars movie that only the critics liked. I think, <laughs> I think, I think everyone's going to like this. So am I wrong in making the assumption that we're giving it a binge it? It's a binge it. Binge it. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Binge away. Star Wars is out now and is rated PG-13 for sci-fi action violence. So that was the only movie we had to cover today. Yeah, it was. That was. So you guys made it. (laughs) It might still not be our shortest podcast. Hard to say. No, definitely not. (laughs) But we made it through as did you. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at TheJasonLeroy. You can find Rebecca at Fight Balance. Check out The Binge website at TheBinge.us. Like us on Facebook, and as always, subscribe to The Binge Podcast on iTunes and rate and review it if you're enjoying it. On behalf of Rebecca, thanks for listening. Binging on movies. Binging with Jason. You're binging on movies with Jason. There There goes the binge.